Our passage this morning is from Matthew chapter, or sorry, Mark chapter 11. Yes, we've been there for a year. Mark chapter 11, verse 27. It's a great encounter. And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, Jesus, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, Uh, we don't know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Do you like questions? Questions can be used in unique and profound ways. They can be humorous. Why did the chicken cross the road? They can be investigative. Maybe you remember many, many years ago, Senator Howard Baker investigating the Watergate scandal when he said, what did the president know and when did he know it? They can be memorable, repeatable movie quotes like from The Gladiator, are you not entertained? And they can be thought-provoking, like from Shakespeare, to be or not to be. That is the question. I love questions. If you've been here for a while, you might have picked up on the frequency of how often I like to begin sermons with a question, like I did this morning. Do you like questions? I love a good question to get people pondering. We're in the final section of Mark, leading up to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Mark is recounting the last week of Jesus' life. And just to give you a note here, in this section of Mark, so chapter 11 through 15, Jesus has seven different conflict interactions with the religious leaders. This is the first one. And in each of these encounters, Jesus is dealing really with one thing establishing his authority. And today, Jesus, the master question asker, uses questions to engage on the topic of his authority. So we're going to look at his particular question, but in the process of all that goes on in this, I want to address the accusing question, the baptism question, and then thirdly, the probing question. The accusing question, the baptism question, and the probing question. We'll start with the accusing question. Verse 28, the elders of Sanhedrin, they come to Jesus and they say, By what authority are you doing these things, or who gave you this authority to do them? Authority, it's an interesting thing. In its simplest form, it's the the one with authority is the one who is in power or the one who has control. So we might think about who are the people who have authority in our world. Well, law enforcement has authority, judges, teachers, business leaders, parents, and so on. At some level, we all have some authority somewhere. Curious for you to ponder here where it is that you have authority, responsibility, power, control. 
Now, there is something that we should be aware of when it comes to authority. I don't think this will surprise you. And that is, when we have it, we don't like giving it away. We have levels at which we're also willing to challenge authority. You may remember the good John Mellencamp, I fought authority, authority. <laughs> there it goes. Some of you guys didn't know that. That was, uh, I'm sorry, I should, maybe it should have gone a little more current. But either way, I'm guessing, you know, we, we're, depends on the authority, right? Some of you this morning probably broke the speed limit when you drove here. No hands, we don't have to go there. But if a cop were to pull you over, I'm guessing most of you wouldn't challenge his or her authority, at least not directly. You might utter under your breath because we like to have authority. Well, the leaders of the Jewish people, they had the authority and they had some questions for Jesus. So they ask, by what authority which means that they aren't asking simply what he did, because remember the context here, Jesus had just gone into the temple and thrown all the tables over, which he was really inferring, I now am calling the temple finished and here to replace it. So they're asking this question, what authority, what made you do this? But he, they're also asking him, does he have the right to do it? By authority, you should have a right to do it. So do you have the right to do this? And... If by some crazy explanation you could say that you had the right to do it, they wanted to know who gave you that right. That's their question. You see, they inherently knew something, that the only person who has the right to do or change anything in regards to the temple is God. How do you respond when your authority is questioned? Well, let's look at what Jesus does. The baptism question. Jesus responds, let me ask you a question. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? I'm curious how you hear the tone of Jesus here. Hang with me for a second. Let's, let's sit in what's going on in Jesus' res response. It's, it's a very important question for us to answer because the voices of people who have authority in our lives or that we have given authority in our lives are oftentimes how we hear the voices of other authorities. So, for example, if we grew up or in our family there was a gotcha question culture where we always had to be on our toes, always ready to one-up the other question asker, we might hear Jesus' question here as a gotcha question. Or maybe you grew up in an avoidance culture where people were hiding and sneaky. And we might then hear Jesus avoiding the whole topic of what is his authority. Or maybe you grew up in a cynical culture where the authorities in your life you were always cynical about what they were doing, and we might not actually know what Jesus is doing here, but we're really suspicious of his question. How, how do you hear him asking this question? I'm really anxious for you to consider that. Now, if I could press on us from what we know about the heart of Jesus, I would say this. He is not a gotcha person he is not an avoider, and he's not suspicious. 
I think scripture shows us that Jesus is wisdom personified and he offers a wise response. It's a wise question and wisdom is always connected to love. In fact, that is always how Jesus engages with people, out of love. And what we see here is the Pharisees don't have an appetite for the wisdom of Jesus' question. That the last thing that they're wanting to chew on and engage on and process is the wisdom with how Jesus engages them. It should have led them to recognize an authority greater than themselves was standing before them. But instead, they wanted to protect their own authority. Can Jesus confront you? When he does confront you, how do you hear his voice? Do you hear it as condemning, as suspicious, as gotcha, or do you hear it as loving? You know, we pointed this out last week. Jesus isn't here to use his power and his brilliance and his wisdom to zap people and catch them. He's not here to use his power to win. He's here to use his power to draw, to draw me and to draw you into a relationship with him. So let's really process this question he asked, this question about the baptism. I want to make three observations about this. The first observation is this. It's a question. It's a question. I mean, think about what's going on here. I read this you know, many times in the last couple weeks, and I love what's going on. By what authority are you doing these things, they ask. How often, when someone asks you a question, do you respond with a question? Yeah, never, is mostly how most of us are in that situation. We like answering questions. I mean, I'm a preacher. I have all the answers to everything, especially theologically. So I can tell you, I would have given a mini-sermon in response to that. I would have started with a question that then quickly didn't give time for them to answer, but then I would have gone to a cute little story with a thesis, three points, and then I would have had a conclusion response, and then I would have seen how they would have responded. No, no, no. Jesus has a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-word question. Our culture doesn't get what Jesus is doing here. Why not just answer it? Why not tell the whole world, yes, I am the ultimate authority? Jesus here is doing something significant out of love, I believe. And and so what he does is he responds with a very intentional question. So the second observation we should make is this, is his question calls for reflection. Jesus asks questions all the time. He's the most brilliant question asker. I'd encourage you, maybe this week is an application to pick one gospel and look at all the questions. Just read through it slowly through the week and look for the questions Jesus asks. And what he's doing here is he's calling, he's asking them a question to to ponder and reflect on. 
I mean, I kind of find this whole scenario a little bit funny. I mean, I can just imagine, I, I can totally imagine the group walking up to Jesus, and they've already in their minds considered every possible scenario for how Jesus could answer this. You know why I think they do that? Because when I'm ever in a fight with Dondra, I do exactly that. I'm like, if she says this, I'll say this. And if she says this, I'll say this. And if she were by chance to say this, I would say this. And you know what she says? None of those things. Anytime I bring it up with her. And I can imagine that's what's going on with these guys. They had, they had their 10 scenarios, you know. And then they come up and they're like, what authority? And Jesus goes, well, what do you think about John? And then they're huddled together and they're like, we didn't talk about that. What, are, what do you got? Do, who? Oh. Isaac, you were supposed to come, you were supposed to think, you know, I could just see them. And then they're like, all right, well, how, what are we going to say? And they're like, well, if we say this, that's not going to work. And then they just give up and they're like, we don't know. I love this heart of Jesus because what is sad to me is I do believe Jesus was inviting them to reflection on what that question truly meant. And they were so stuck and stubborn and didn't have the appetite to hear the loving, drawing invitation of Jesus that they missed it. I mean, what Jesus wants to do with each of us on our journeys is draw us patiently and slowly. He's very gently engaging with them in such a way that he's slowly trying to draw them to the truth that he is the ultimate authority. I mean, think about it. If Jesus were to truly answer that question, would they have been able to handle it? I mean, if Jesus said, yeah, Here's by the authority that I'm doing this. Before creation was, I existed. I created everything. All things are held together by my hand. You know that theology, that doctrinal truth, the Trinity? Yeah, I'm part of it. And you can just see the, what would happen to these question askers. They'd be like, what are you talking about? Like they would be so confused. But no, what does Jesus do? He asks them a question that in, invites them into really understanding and processing who he is. He's giving them a chance to, to fill it in, to, to learn. that They have to take a moment. I want to believe, this is total speculation, that of this group of people that were standing there asking him this question, that there was one guy in the back corner that was like, wait a second. Wait, John said... There was one who was to come, and wait, he did, and he's just slowly filling in the, the idea here that if John's baptism was true and real and significant, then maybe this is the authority. Jesus is inviting them to reflect, to act and think and fill in the blanks. I mean, a lot of life is like this for us. Uh, just a simple illustration, when Aubrey turned 16 and she started driving, what did I teach Aubrey about? Gas, brakes, blinker, and here's where you fill the tank. 
Now, is that everything that there is to know about a car? Absolutely not. Has she learned much more since then? Yep, we've learned about oil changes, we've learned about transmissions, we've learned about spark plugs and timing belts. Now, if I were to give her all of that the very first time she was walking, you know, walked into her car, she would have been like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Dad. This is ridiculous. And th what I love about what Jesus is doing here is like this deep encouragement to me. That's how Jesus deals with me. He's like, Brian, I'm just going to give you just a tiny bit to chew on here about my authority. And I'm inviting you to just wrestle with it just a little bit. I'm just going to keep drawing you deeper and deeper in because I love you that much. And what you think you know now is pales in comparison to the beauty and grandeur of who I am. But I'm going to slowly bring you in if you're willing to trust my authority. And that's the third observation I would make about this question. It's not just something to reflect on. It's an invitation. Don't hear Jesus' tone as avoiding here. He's doing something that goes after them and goes after us. God wants our hearts. Jesus could have asked anything about what he had done. He could have asked about his miracles. He could have asked about his teachings. He could have asked about Lazarus being raised from the dead. I mean, there are things that he could have said, isn't this enough? But he points to John's baptism. Why? Why John? Well, the baptism reveals to us. We actually talked about this. I went back. I these next four sentences from the sermon I gave about a year ago in Mark chapter 1 from this very moment when Jesus was baptized by John. And we said this, that Jesus is revealed in his baptism as the new and ultimate representative of all of humanity. And God and the Spirit are there on the scene. And what is being described is that the ultimate king and representative for humankind has arrived. And it was then an invitation to see Jesus as the ultimate authority. And so what Jesus is doing is he's wrapping his whole story together for the, these leaders of the Jewish world. And he's saying, Do you, don't you see that even in this moment when my ministry began, when John baptized me, it was the start. He was pointing to me as the one who was to come. And the invitation, like this very intentional question, was for them to see Jesus as the ultimate authority. How do we respond when Jesus asks us inviting questions? When Jesus comes at our will? I wonder how often we're like the Pharisees, that we flinch and we defend. Well, it leads us now to the probing question that this passage is asking us. And I want to invite you to join me in sitting in it just for a couple moments. And the probing question that this passage invites us to ask is this. Is Jesus the ultimate authority in your life? Is Jesus the ultimate authority in your life? Well, 
you're at church, right? So the answer to that is, yes, Brian, of course it is. Well, I thought you might say that. So let me ask you two questions to really ponder this. So let's do what Jesus is inviting the Pharisees to do. Let's sit in this for a second. Let's, let's do an inventory in our life. Let's see if it's true that we follow and submit and trust Jesus as the ultimate authority. My first question to us all is, do you rest? Do you rest? One of the most significant ways we apply the authority of Jesus in our lives is we rest. We don't live like every day, every single thing on our to-do list has to be accomplished. We don't check our phones 15 times in five minutes just because we might be getting some kind of email or text. Rest is the ultimate way to say to God, I trust you. Almost every message in our world is saying bigger, faster, longer, stronger. We are told over and over and over again, you are the authority, don't rest. I want you to think about something for a minute. This is crazy. So who, what age has the most energy in our world? Young people or old people? Who has the most energy? Not a trick question. Young people. That's, yeah, anyone who's over 40 is like, yeah, it's all downhill, right? I mean, I'm there. There is no doubt young people have more energy than old people. So check this out. Who are energy drinks marketed to? Young people. Think about that. Just ponder that truth for one second. Who is being told, you need more energy, get more done, get more accomplished, be more, do more, faster, longer, stronger, harder? Our culture is telling us over and over and over again, you're the authority, you get it accomplished. Do you know what a very powerful way is that we can say, Jesus, I trust you? Is we can just stop doing things. We can sit on our porch for an hour and just watch the sunset. We can just sit on our bed with our Bible and read for 10 minutes. This is absolutely the pot calling the kettle black here. I've already confessed to you guys my addiction to speed, to wanting to get things done and trying to be fast. And I was convicted in my own heart as I processed this question, is Jesus the ultimate authority in my life? Well, one great way to assess that is am I able to just rest? What does your afternoon look like today? How many things do you need to get done today? Yeah, I'm talking to you, whoever you think you are right now. The second question I have for us is this. Are you content? Hmm. Do you know what the opposite of anxiety is? 
It's contentment. And how do we know if Jesus is the ultimate authority? Well, we're the opposite of anxious because we believe and trust and submit to Jesus' authority and control in the world and in our lives. So we don't have to know how to be the best parent, the best worker. We don't have to keep up with the Joneses. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to listen to every popular podcast. We can just be content. When people ask us questions, we don't have to have the answers. We don't have to prove to them how things are supposed to be. I'd encourage you to try something this week. When someone asks you a question, ask them one back. My prayer this past week, I've been asking Jesus this in the mornings. I've been saying, Jesus, help me trust you so deeply so that whatever room I walk into today, to today, I will be the least anxious person in the room. Next time you walk into a room of people, just look around the room and just ask how much anxiety exists in here. Now, I'm hoping and been praying that the Spirit would be at work in all of us, which should lead us here now to a very important question. If I am not a good rester, and if I am not content, and if that might could possibly mean that Jesus is not the ultimate authority in my life, then how do I submit to him as the ultimate authority? Now, the beauty of this moment is this. Oftentimes, we want the answer to be do something. And I would venture to say, if you walked out of here and tried to slow down and just rest a little this afternoon, if you walked into a room tomorrow morning and looked around and said, Lord, help me be the least anxious people of all the people in this room, you might feel and experience something. But I do think the way that Jesus changes our hearts is not by how we do something on the outside, but it truly is something that's transformed on the inside. And we do need to repent of our speed. And we do need to repent of desiring to be the ultimate authority in our lives. But then what we need to do is we need to put our faith, we need to trust in what Jesus has done and accomplished. And I would suggest to you this morning, church, that the way to look and see Jesus as the ultimate authority is we have to let one other question that he asked fall on our hearts and break us because it was on the cross when he cried out to God and he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when we start to really grasp that Jesus asked that question so you and I would never have to, that's when we'll start trusting him as our ultimate authority. When we'll sit in the reality that I deserved to be forsaken by God, but he came and gave up all of his authority so that I might come and know the one who is the ultimate authority, that's when peace, joy, 
contentment and rest will be evidenced in my life. So, is Jesus the ultimate authority in your life? Let's pray. Almighty God, come and move in us. May the beauty of Jesus and the questions that he asked draw us closer to you, even right now in this moment. We pray in Jesus' name.